for nine years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And 30 years of Rosie on the House. Your Saturday morning happy place, your weekend wake-up call, every Arizona homeowner's best friend. You're tuned in to Rosie on the House, where we show up every Saturday morning and do what we can to help you enjoy your Arizona home. Whether you're trying to tackle a remodeling project, a maintenance project, uh, just a home improvement project we'll put our remodeling experience to work for you like we have for the last 30 years celebrating 40 years of being remodelers here in Arizona 30 years of being on the radio we've taken literally every question conceivable from every corner of the state and you can join the conversation if you'd like to this morning. If you've got a project you're trying to tackle on this three-day weekend, give us a ring. It's a toll-free number, one 767 4348 I want to mention on our website, rosieonthehouse.com, that is an encyclopedia for Arizona homeowners. For the 30 years that we've been on air, we have taken every question we've ever been asked, and we have created the appropriate answer. All those questions and answers you can find on the website, rosieonthehouse.com. It is like an encyclopedia for Arizona homeowners. In particular, at rosieonthehouse.com, we've got an events tab, and you can scroll down there. About 30 of our Rosie certified partners from all across the state are running Memorial Day specials, and you can find them there, as well as announcements for special events like the Open House Block Party for our new partner, Mexican Tile and Stone Company. They're going to have an open house party and barbecue times, down in Tucson, it's next Saturday. It's one day only. Get down there and take a look. June 2nd from 8 to 3. There's no RSVP, no reservations required. Uh, lots of awesome raffle items, hamburgers and hot dogs, and some great sale items. Get down and take a look at the Mexican Tile and Stone Company party next Saturday morning. Well, we were talking a little bit about how desperate some people are getting to uh, recruit new help. Uh, if you're in the trades and you're not happy where you're currently working, maybe your boss doesn't know how to properly schedule jobs, doesn't know how to properly tool up your truck, doesn't know how to properly treat customers. If you want to upgrade your career in any trade in Arizona, just go to rosieonthehouse.com. I don't think I have a partner in the whole list that isn't hiring skilled, <laughs> talented, polite, well-spoken, skilled tradespeople. You don't even have to be skilled. Maybe you just want to enter the trades. Those of you that are just finishing high school and you're not too interested maybe in going to college, like I wasn't, and I went into the trades – Kids, coming out of high school, we could have you at over $50,000 a year, $60,000, a year, within just a couple years of getting out there. So instead of going to college and building up a six-figure debt figure, um, you like working with your hands? 
You like meeting or, a lot of great people. You want to learn a trade. Learn or even some business. Buy yourself a few years to figure out what degree to go into. If there you, you wanted go. something later, and at that time you'll have a little cash flow going. You can start paying for that education without becoming a debt burden, and you then would always have a trade to fall back on if perfect. You know, data crunching number computer science. You find. If After a robot, five years if of staring a robot, at a computer. If a robot is trained to take over your college-educated yeah. job, a robot will never be trained to remodel someone's house hey, on their property. Can't sweat pipes in an attic. That's right. <laughs> All right, we're here with special guest David Byrne from Green ID, one of the Rosie Certified Whole House Energy Audit Companies. Uh, we've got stacked up here a couple questions. Uh, we were talking, we were making fun of Radiant Barrier, and... Uh, Cinda has called from Gilbert with a question about Radiant Barrier. Romy, why don't, you, why don't we bring Cinda into the conversation? She says she was actually considering it. Cinda? Yes. Good morning. Hi. You heard us trash-talking Radiant Barrier. Yes, I did. So <laughs> tell me I'm what, crushing it off my list. <laughs> tell, tell, tell David and I what you were thinking about doing. Okay. We did a kitchen remodel taking an 1980 drop set, drop ceiling, unbolted it, and remodeled the kitchen. So now I need to insulate over that part of the house. In the 80s, I did the blow-in cellulose. About 15 years, I did the blow-in yellow fiberglass stuff. And so now I'm trying to decide what, what I'm supposed to do. One of the issues that I found was when we replaced our AC about five years ago, when I went up into the attic, on this remodel, um, they had moved the insulation all away from the air handler so that it was totally bare right there. So that's killer. Is blow in the right thing? Is batting better? All what right. do I do around an air handler? Okay, let me let me introduce you to Mr. David Byrne, Green ID. What's your take on that, David? Hi, Senda. Uh, I like loose fill, blown in insulation. Uh, cellulose is your cheapest option. Uh, it's got the highest R value per inch. It's uh, just recycled newspaper, cardboard that's fire treated. Uh, it'll go around your can lights, under your wires, under your plumbing uh, pipes, and you don't have to worry about alignment. And that's the thing if you go with fiberglass bats that you have to pay um, real close attention to because the fiberglass bats need to be installed right. If you think of them like a blanket, the blanket's got to touch your skin to keep you warm. The bat has to touch the drywall 100% uh, to work right. And it, it's <laughs> labor intensive to cut it around the can light, to fit it under the wire and split the bat. And, um, you know, it, it, no one's going to put an eye on it after it's installed. So the loose fill insulation is the, the easiest and probably the least expensive way. Um, and the most thorough. Yes. Uh, yeah. Really. And send a. There's a statistic that says if you've disturbed 5% of your attic insulation, you've destroyed 50% of its effectiveness. So when right. they when they go up in your attic and they brush this stuff to get it out of the way so they can work around your air handling equipment, they've just decreased the efficiency of all your attic insulation by 50%. So here's what we're going to do. David, your phone number. It's 602-926-1650. Cinda, okay. David is going to come and give you a whole house energy audit, and I'm going to pay for it. 
So you're going to okay. get a free whole house energy audit. And he's going to assess the installation, and he's also going to look at the whole house, every component of it. And then you'll know what to do. So then I want you to take the estimate you had for radiant barriers and take 10% of that and send it to Habitat for Humanity, all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I can do that. We, we, we just saved you a bunch of money. Radiant barrier is the next thing I'd like to run out of the state. Right behind the, I won't go there. <laughs> Other products. <laughs> We've already run them out, so I don't need to. Yeah. I don't need to run them into the ground. I've been years since I heard of Power Factor commercial. Yeah, power Factor correction devices. Yes, we pretty well run them completely out of the state, with the threat of attorneys from San Francisco, New York, and Dallas going to come here, not only put me out of business, but beat me up. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so, uh, radiant barriers. They just don't, they, they don't do what they say they're going to do. They can work in certain applications, but if your house is properly insulated, it is good. They charge up to two dollars a square foot to sprinkle that stuff in your attic. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be for a two thousand square foot home, you know, with overhangs and everything else. It could be twenty five hundred square feet. It could be five thousand dollars of radiant barrier. You're never going to see a pity of that return. Yeah, yeah, and that's a whole energy upgrade. They could get all new ductwork for yeah. for around that cost. Uh, have you, have you heard about the company down in Tucson that's buying people dinner and giving them energy consumption educations yeah, at the yeah. restaurant? Yeah, even the, in Green Valley? or Yes, okay. and, and then they, they sell paint on the ceilings that mm -hmm. cut your energy bill uh, 40%. Yes. Yeah, we had a homeowner call us from, uh, that had, had one of those. Yeah, absolutely insane. There's a, yeah. a new product I got to see an install, and... If one would work as a coating that would reduce it, it, this one seemed like it had the best chance of success, but it's a, it's a cork-based product that sprays to the outside of your home. Mm. And cork is supposed to never go above or below a certain temperature no matter what. And they've been using it in Spain. Uh, they use it in Canada a lot. It's new to Arizona. Uh, they've done a whole the, – the Tucson Spanish Chamber of Commerce is the oldest building in Arizona that has this supply. And – you know, they say moisture will transpose between it. It'll it'll move through. Let, it, so you're not let the trapping the the moisture inside the home, creating a, a mold problem. So that one we're watching. I, I'm it. I'm curious yeah. to see how that one's going to perform and over a ten year period of time in the desert. That seemed like a much better product. A thick paint, a thin paint that's like a couple of sheets of paper thick, reducing forty percent on the inside of your home. It's insane. once it's already through your attic. Through the insulation and the ceiling of your top of your drywall. I'm like, so glad on. that homeowner called me. He says, Rose, they bought me a nice dinner, and they, they sold me an $8,000 paint job. Then, and that's where the relationship <laughs> ends. <laughs> David, your phone number? It's 602-684. I'm sorry, 602-926-1650. Okay. 
That's Green ID, Rosie Certified Whole House Energy Audit. I told you I was going to let you go after this segment, but I'm not. You're going to stay one more okay. segment because we have Steve in Santan Valley says he's actually had great results with Radiant Barrier. So you got to stay to help me talk through with Steve that situation. Okay. <laughs> we'll take Steve right after the commercial break. Bringing it back to my house at Rosie on the House with David Byrne, our special in-studio guest this morning from Green ID, the Rosie Certified Whole House Energy Audit. We've been trash-talking uh, Radiant Barrier most of the morning, and we've got Steve in Santan Valley. He says he's had good luck with Radiant Barrier. Let's bring him into the conversation and see what the particular circumstances were. Hey, Steve, really appreciate you calling the show this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. All right, sir. Uh, you know what? The way you guys made it sound before you went on break was like, we got to get this guy and get his head right. Like, uh, I need a psychologist <laughs> or something, man. <laughs> well, no, may, may, maybe we need you to fix us. Tell, t- tell, tell us what the situation. Tell us what your situation was. Well, you know what? Um, here's how it started. Uh, a retired industrial engineer told me about it. And this lady takes statistics on stuff. She, I don't know much about what they do, but she showed me her bill before and after she put it in. Okay. And her and a friend of mine who I also know, we all worked at the same place, did it. And we did it ourselves. She showed me a quick way of doing it, how important it was creating the air uh, gap in between it. Okay. And um, I found that it does work. Now, now Steve, Steve, yes, the radiant barrier you installed is something that was stapled to the bottom. You have an attic. Right. Right. And you stapled sheets of this to the bottom of the roof rafters? Is that what you did? The bottom, and forgive me for not knowing the terminology, but you know the wood that sticks out? Is that the rafter you're talking about, that board? That support- not the bottom of the attic itself, not the wall of the attic, the, the top ceiling of it, but it's, it's where it will drape. It drapes down so there's an air gap. On top of the insulation that's already there. No, this is on the in the on the attic ceiling. Okay, yeah, okay, all right, and it comes okay. and it comes in sheets, and you're stapling it to the bottom of the roof rafter, right? Yes, is the rafter and that board? Yes, uh-huh. yeah. Board? yeah, yeah. So it's not flat on the roof of the attic. I want to make that clear. Okay, and let me let me ask you this. I already keyed off on one very critical thing. You did it yourself. So, what was your total out-of-pocket expense? I spent, let's see, probably about a hundred, hundred fifty bucks for the rolls <laughs> of uh, perforated uh, aluminum rolls that I had. David, go ahead. Put push your mic. Gary, get Pardon? get Gary. He's got it. Dave, got okay, it. go ahead, Dave. Yeah, well, the, the, the labor cost is is what. What kills most people because people are charging a dollar fifty to two dollars a square foot to staple it up to the roof deck, and if you could do it yourself and just pay one hundred fifty bucks for the material, it makes it cost effective. It, it cuts the uh, ROI. Um, so that that's one of the clarifying points, Steve. Had you had that professionally installed, it would have cost you about. Two bucks a square foot, two fifty a square foot installed. Okay, you know, so the fact you got it done for one hundred and fifty bucks instead of twenty five hundred bucks, you can recoup one hundred and fifty <laughs> pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, and but I, you, and they had a system they turned me on to. They made it. You made. I did it by myself now. Okay. So it, 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 I don't like working in the attic. I had to get a special jumpsuit. I got cellulose. 
which okay. made it easier than Good. the fiberglass stuff. All right. And uh, dust mask, all that. All right. Well, and, that's uh, the that's the difference is you did it for 150 instead of paying somebody well, a huge profit margin to install it. We're running tight on time. You had an AC question. Yeah, something you said very interesting. Um, I have a 2,100-square-foot home, and you mentioned a few weeks ago that the efficiency of these new units, is, is, I always thought it was undersized at four tons, right, 2,100-square-foot. But you mentioned it may be possible to go down to 3.5 with maybe a 14 or 16 sear. I am going to look into that. My question to you was, can I generally go with the same ducting if I go half a ton lower? David? Mm-hmm. Yeah, typically you could. The returns are notoriously undersized here. So if you go with a smaller unit, um, generally you want to have a 20-inch return for a 5-ton system, 18-inch uh, return for a 4-ton, and a 16 for a 3-ton. Uh, so if you're going to 3.5, if you have an 18-inch return with a return plenum, um, you should be fine. Okay, and is that difference in price between like a 16 sear and a 14 sear really worth that difference? Or yes, in yeah, your opinion? yeah, uh, you'll you'll save money. They have longer coils, so you get more capacity out of the system. You won't get more airflow, but you'll get a lower energy bill. All right. Well, hey, that's one of the bottom lines. So. Thank you, gentlemen, very much for your time. All right, Steve. We appreciate the call. Thanks, my friend. And I want to stay on Steve's air conditioning issue just a little bit. So he's going to – what he saves in downsizing his equipment mm-hmm. would be very smart to spend on on getting as high efficiency on that smaller unit as he can. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a perfect match. Um, you get a right-sized air conditioner, so it's not over oversized, uh, but you get a higher efficiency unit, so your bills go down – it may run longer, but it's going to run... Um, Which is okay. Sure. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. It it takes six times more electricity to start an air conditioner than it does to run an air conditioner. What's expensive about air conditioning is starting and stopping, starting and stopping. When people call me crying, my unit's running all afternoon. I say, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Perfect. That's During exactly hottest, what you want. Yeah. In the hottest part of the day, your unit should run a full hour. And that's when you know it's sized right. And if you're one of the smart consumers we were talking about earlier and you super cool, you cool the house prior to on-peak demand. I take my house to 68 degrees at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I tell the thermostat, don't come back on till you're at 78. It never comes back on. My air conditioners sleep from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 8 o'clock at night. I never buy on-peak electricity. If you're paying more than 11 cents a kilowatt on your bill, you need to call us or call David at 602-926-1650. Fantastic. If you're battling a weed problem right now and you need to clean it up, Make sure you have cleanup. That's right, K L E E N up cleanup by our friends at Bonide, family made in America. You can spray cleanup onto sidewalks, patios, or straight into uh, old vegetable gardens that may have been abandoned. If you've got the summer lawn you want to plant and you've got a weed problem there, spray it seven days later, reseed it. Cleanup is fast acting. You'll see results in just a few days, and you can get it at local independent nurseries throughout the state, including Waters Garden Center in Prescott and Phoenix at all Summer Winds locations and in Tucson, Savano Nurseries. 
for your weeds when you're trying to clean it up, just clean it up. It's that time of year. Weed and grass killer, baby. That time of year. I got my edging around our lawn on my to-dos for this weekend. All right. Well, let's see if we can get to the calls. We've got callers from both ends of the state right now. We have Jim from Tucson and a cowboy from Ash Fork. But let's start down in Tucson. Jim's been holding very patiently for a long time. We appreciate that, Jim. Good morning. How can we help you, my friend? See, he gave up on us. Jim from Tucson, are you there, my friend? All right, we will come back to Jim. He didn't believe it when we said we were going to go right back to him. <laughs> so now we're going to up to Ashford and talk to Cowboy. <laughs> Hello. Hello, man. Okay. You know those tough sheds that look like little cabins? Yes. Well, I got one, and what I want to do is turn it into a cabin. So I need to know the cheapest installation to get, wall paneling, and the floor I'm going to use cedar. Uh, so you ordered it without any flooring? Well, it comes with plywood floor. Okay. It's like a storage shed. Yeah, so you're going to go over the top of the plywood subfloor with a cedar floor. Right. Okay, good. Well, uh, the 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 most cost-effective thing for you to do, the cheapest, is just going to be buy bat insulation, roll bat, roll it into the uh, cavity, but it's going to be a little bit hard because to properly install insulation, the you want the paper to be on the outside of the house and the insulation to be touching your sheetrock on the inside of the house. So you're actually going to kind of try and just put or, or don't get any backed uh, insulation. Probably be the best. Your your studs are 24 inch on center. Is it two by four or two by six studs? Uh, two by sixes, I think. Okay, so you have an R19 insulation. Buy it in the bats, unpapered, and just set them in the cavity and staple them in place. You want the insulation touching your sheetrock. It's not so important that it's touching the outside paneling, but you want it touching the inside, and that's going to be hard for you because you're going to be installing it from the inside. So if anything, let it cheat and swell to the inside just a little bit. Then when you put your sheetrock, which is going to be your cheapest interior wall surface, uh, you'll be in good shape. Okay. All right. That's what I needed to know. Okay, my friend. We appreciate the call. Thanks a million. And we've got Jim from Tucson that has gotten on the line again. Good morning, Jim. Sorry, I was on mute, I guess. Okay, that's all right, man. I I bought a house in Oral Valley about seven years ago, and uh, it was built by A.F. Sterling. And uh, when I turn the irrigation water out, outside on, I have a controller. All the water inside my house, all the cold water gets hot. And I haven't got a clue what I'm doing wrong, but something. So if I turn your irrigation system on and then I walk to the hall bathroom and I turn on the cold faucet, it's hot. That is correct, yeah. Um, this is like the third week in a row I'm stumped on a plumbing question. They're, these are like mystery ghost plumbing issues. Jim, I'm going to have to do it. But the good thing about it 
is when I'm stumped, then I spend an afternoon researching it, and I have one more piece of information to be unstumpable next time. Jim, I'm going to visit with my Rosie certified plumber. I've got two certified plumbers down in Tucson. I'm going to I'm going to call Bill Woods and talk to him about it. My first inclination would be is the pressure in your house pretty pretty good otherwise? Do you do do we know what the pressure is at the house? I can test it, but I would guess it's about 35 pounds. Okay. All right. That's a little light, but um but it, it should, but but that should be serviceable. I can understand you turn the irrigation system on, and you go ask for cold water, and you're not getting very much pressure. I get that, but the fact that it's hot water doesn't make any sense, unless the hot water is bleeding through the shower, the the faucet valve itself, and coming in. So, do you have a hot water circulating pump on the house? Uh, there was one there when I came in, but I took it off. It's not plugged in. I took it out. And and when you did that, you, you took the pump out. Now, there's two parts to that pump. The farthest faucet from that pump has a little jump uh, coupler on it that connects the hot and the cold water line. I'm guessing if you go remove that, what's happening is when the irrigation comes down, the cold water side pressure is so low that the water pressure in the hot water tank is then forcing the water back through that jumper hose. Okay. 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 Now I'm gonna put you. On, I'm gonna put you on hold, and I want you to go to the faucet that's farthest away from your water heater, and go get on your knees. It's probably a bathroom. Open that base cabinet, and tell me if you don't see a hose that connects the cold water side to the hot water side underneath the sink we'll come back to jim here in just a couple minutes our blog today was on garages we haven't even got there david burned was generous enough to stay we hardly ever get on energy savings or power consumption bills uh, where we don't don't go long take over yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i really appreciate david uh, coming in and talking us through that Uh, a lot of questions on the new rate changes uh, and what is the best way to go What y'all need to know, it doesn't matter if you're with APS or TEP or Unisource or SRP. If you're paying over about 10 or 11 or 12 cents a kilowatt hour, just take your total kilowatt consumption and divide that into your total bill. 2,000 kilowatts into a $250 bill. What is your total kilowatt charge is it 10 cents a kilowatt 15 cents a kilowatt 20 cents a kilowatt and i'm telling you that with an energy management computer programmable thermostats and a little education i had somebody text me a bill this week they were 18 cents a kilowatt i said i can cut your bill in half in half but it's going to take a little education and a little equipment if, if you're getting above 12, 13 cents a kilowatt, reach out to us at rosieonthehouse.com and let us know what your kilowatt charge is and do you want us to do an evaluation of how we can get that down my, at my house. And I do some pretty severe special things. And Jennifer and I are almost empty nesters. 
Little Carol Grace did come home this summer, so it's going to throw us out of whack a little bit. Uh, she, when you have when you have a, a sophomore in college taking forty minute showers, it just kind of skews your consumption just a little bit. And and she has the same DNA as her mother. There's a there's a DNA deficiency there. They don't know how to turn light switches off. <laughs> has she learned how to close the door? In Carol's defense, yes, her showers have gotten much shorter since she's been at college. Oh, since she's had to share the mm-hmm. share the showers, right? Okay, well that's good. And we have both been trying with the light switch thing, <laughs> because you know what happens, Romy? Every time one of us switches on, he runs over to the energy management system and looks to see <laughs> how much did that bump. And you know what? Insignificant. That's just a curiosity thing with me. Oh, please. That's just a curiosity thing. But it's when I come home at lunch, and no one's been in the house since 7.30 that morning, and I have to turn off nine circuits of lights. Do you see how Romy glazes over when you start this? Look, he won't even look at you. He won't get in the middle of it. Uh, so anyway, if y'all are paying more than 10 or 11 or 12 cents a kilowatt hour, uh, we can probably help you get that down. If you're paying 18, 20, 24, 28, 30 cents, we can definitely save you some serious cabbage. Let's go to the garages. We've been talking about them the whole merry month of May. And the final touch on that is finishing the floor. If you're doing storage, if you're going to be adding cooling, whether it's evap cooler, you're going to be insulating and adding a mini split. You know, the last thing you get to is the floor because you're walking on it. You're doing a lot of things to bring your new cabinets in, to get your insulation in, change your garage door. The last thing you want to do is put on a brand new epoxy uh, custom finish on top and then do a bunch of contractor grade work on top of it. Now, that's not to say ignore it until then because your finish coat for your concrete uh, decorative concrete surface is only as good as what's underneath. So you don't want to beat it up either. Uh, if it's an old garage floor, the first thing we've got to do is get all the oil stains out. The amount of prep, it's impossible to over prep a surface. I think, uh, you could probably, if you're using harsh chemicals, you could definitely oversaturate and leave a residue that you don't get washed off. And then it creates a problem, but there's a lot of great things that used to be called beanie do, or is it beanie do now? Or is it? It used to be. Called I've lost. To it. I've lost track, buddy. <laughs> I, I think now it's gone back to a citrus name. So there's two Same different products, ones. but we'd have to track yeah, that down. The, what used to be called Do It, and then there is a Beanie Do that's a soybean base, and both of those work great for getting oil out of your concrete finishes. And you've got your cracks to worry about. There's a lot of people that. Uh, we'll use a, a large caulking to fill in the expansion joints. There are correct products for that. Caulking isn't isn't designed for that big of a gap. And especially when you're in an outdoor situation where the garage door is up and down, up and down, and it's not a complete HVAC-controlled environment, the amount of moisture that is going to make it expand and contract is just going to shorten the life of that. So you don't have to fill in expansion joints. A lot of people like to if they're trying to... uh, you know, if they've got roll-around stuff, I know some people that were using That's it true. as a dance yeah. studio yep. for training. And obviously, you don't want your high heels or uh, things to slip into your, 
in into your expansion joints. So there's a few cases that that's applicable. It's just a and it's a great way to uh, block insect infestation mm-hmm. and uh, small little dust infestation. So it it really adds a great level of cleanliness for sure. I did look up Beanie Doo for you, and it takes you to Amazon, and there's lots of little head beanies. But it's also, <laughs> it's being made now under a Blue Bear is the product uh, manufacturer, and it's still called Beanie Doo Mastic and Adhesive Remover. Mm-hmm. Got it. B-E-A-N-N-I-E-D-O-O. Yeah. So make sure you're not, this isn't something you put on your head. It's made after the soy, it's named after the soybeans. It's, uh derived from and then once you get it done you've got a couple options on what you're going to put epoxy coatings are probably the most popular finish for the garage but that's not the only option you have for the garage we'll talk about it more in the back side of this Winding down this last segment of this last hour of this Saturday, May 26th broadcast. The Memorial Day edition of Rosie on the House. What else can you put down on your garage floor other than epoxy? Well, acid staining is very popular on the interior of the home, but it does create a great look for the garage, and it gives you a lot more options uh, for colors, for styles. Um, And with the type of different sealers and finishes on it you can get a good durable finish one one thing people like epoxy so well for is it's so industrial and so easy to clean and with the metallic coatings you can add that tricked out type effect that you know custom hot rods would have and apply that to your floor but that's that's not an every homeowner type garage finish it's a great way if you'll read through uh and our blogs for this past month in May, we were spent the whole time in the garage talking about cleaning it, organizing it, storage systems, flooring systems, and cooling it, different ways to cool it. One of the ways you can cool it is with the Evap Cooler Shop Blaster, and if you've caulked the expansion joints and filled them properly and put the epoxy floor, that little uh, shop blaster Evap cooler glides across the floor like it's ice skating. So if you're working on this end of the vehicle and it's got a toolbox built on top with a stereo system built in, so you could be listening to Rosie on the house cranking away in your garage, or even if you use that toolbox as even just a hobby tool, um, you know it doesn't have to be for shop tools. If it could be for you know, other carpentry tools or other projects or whatever your little hobby garage is, it's a great, great feature. But that little roll-around portable evap cooler with a stereo system and uh, toolbox is a great way to cool the garage. We actually also talked about air conditioning your garage with mini splits as another option. If you've properly built your garage and it's properly insulated, it's another great option. So we're polishing off, finishing the garage. Done right, it is one of the most underutilized, great extra activity rooms in the entire house 
And I did get a nice correction here from Dave at Cohills. Uh, no, I, I did mention Beanie Dew as a product for oil, but no, that's what we use for the glue on indoor-outdoor carpet. It is the citrus-based do-it that you use for the oil the on oil. your garage. Thanks for tuning in and catching that for us, Dave, our product specialist down at Cohills. They're open, oh, I think they're open till noon. And if you want to look at or talk to somebody about doing the epoxy finish yourself, Cohills would be a great place to go, right? <laughs> Not only for that, but any type of decorative concrete finish, stamp concrete. The, the one thing, the final thing I was going to say about epoxy over the course of time, that's not something that's a great spot repair application. Right. You can hide repairs and blotches and spot worked in an acid stain a lot easier. You're going to get, you know, deep cuts or scratches from dropping a tool that in a an acid stain is a lot easier to hide that with a paintbrush and touch up. But an epoxy is designed to be a complete coating system. Once there's a hole or penetration in that spot repair is not... Not all that practical. So That's about right. every 10, 12 years, you'll need to remove it and reapply your epoxy coating. But it's a sharp finish when it's down. It is. So that wraps up garages in our annual calendar, home maintenance calendar. It's our first ever annual home maintenance calendar. We cover a different part of your house every single month. I think we still have a few copies of the calendar left. And if you haven't got your copy, reach out to us. At well, we send them at the end of every month. Right. So everyone that's asked the month of May, you'll get yours now uh, once we wrap it up. And we've got the, the, the next 10,000 sitting in the warehouse, so we're, we're not going to run out. Oh, the next edition did run? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so. I didn't see that got delivered. Okay. I, I saw the box in the closet. And I thought, well, it looks like we only got about 50 or 60 of these first 10,000 left. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the first 10,000 are gone. gone. We've got okay. the second one for the second half of the year. And then we'll have 2019s out about November. All right, folks. So that wraps us up for this particular week here at Rosie on the House. Uh, with our reaching out to help all of you up in Happy Jack, I'm asked all the time, well, Rosie, are you still working, building, and remodeling? In the valley, and yes, we are. If you've got a remodeling project you'd like done Rosie Wright, if you're in Tucson, you'll call John Ruder at Assurance Builders. If you're in Phoenix, you'll call Brad Christensen in the East Valley. You'll call Rosie Romero in the Northeast Valley. You'll call Kirk Development in the central part of the town. And you'll call TWD on the west side of town. Up in Prescott, you'll call Tom Riley at Renovations. Those are the contractors that will get your project done Rosie Wright. They're the only contractors that will get it Rosie Wright. So if you've got a project and that's the way you want it done when it's finished, and not only when it's finished, but just getting it done sometimes by other contractors is all the agony. Like the poor guy that started the show this morning, contractor rebuilding his house, he's gone. How many times have I heard that? And if you're a tradesman who wants to upgrade your career, Find a trades partner at Rosie on the House. I don't know any of my partners right now that aren't hiring. In the meantime, y'all have a great week. Let's hear from you.